Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back to Gyro Nation Metal as we continue the countdown to the Loudest Hell Festival in Drumheller, Alberta from July 29th to 31st. Canadian heavy metal band Thunderer joins a lineup on the last day of the festival and just released their debut album, Fire It Up, on January 25th of this year. Today I am joined by the talented JJ Tartaglia, vocalist and drummer of Thunderer. JJ is and has also been a member of other bands such as Skullfist, of Hatred Spawn, Zero Escape, Operas, and Final Trigger. Skullfist also just released their latest album, Paid in Full, on April 22nd of this year, and JJ is currently sponsored by Pearl Drums, Ahead Drumsticks, and Remo Skins. JJ, welcome and thank you for joining me today. What's up, Jeff? Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, no problem. Since we're doing like a little bit of a countdown to the Loud as Hell Festival here, uh, are you excited for it? Absolutely. Uh, Loud as Hell has always been a festival that I've heard great things about and I've always wanted to check it out. Um, unfortunately, uh, it usually always lands on the same weekend as Wacken uh, in Germany, which I go to every year. So it was kind of like, uh, you know, I can't make it. Uh, but uh, as fate would have it this year, I guess because every year the weekends get shifted a little bit so they're actually on different weekends which is amazing for me so i can uh, actually do loud as hell and then straight from there i'm going to go right to Vakken right after that nice that's amazing mm. um so are you planning on staying for the full three days then yeah yeah we're coming in the the friday and then yeah we're going to stay till uh till the sunday and and then fly back out monday oh man that's going to be busy when is uh Vakken this year um, it's the following weekend, but technically it starts on the Wednesday. So yeah, which doesn't leave much time because like you kind of lose a day when you fly, uh, overseas to Europe. So, you know, I'll, I'll fly out Monday, get there Tuesday, but then by the time you make the drive up to, to Vakken, cause it's kind of like a little bit in the middle of nowhere. Um, and then you got to crash. So it's like, I'm looking at getting there Tuesday night, wake up. Wednesday and then the festival is going to kick off so it's perfect timing really and how many years have you been going to Vakken this will be uh I mean my first year was uh 2013 so uh you know I guess we lost a couple there because uh the pandemic but uh I think this is seven or eight years I guess yeah nice so it's definitely worth traveling for then yeah yeah it's it's awesome you know i i can only recommend it you know if you've never been um because i i also do some work for them because i i do uh i organize the metal battle here in canada for okay. them yeah so yep. yeah we get to we get to go over and then i help judge the uh the finalists there that that perform so it's a bit of a combo for me because like i kind of like working technically but also enjoying the festival so yeah, it's great. I just love the I love the vibe. You know, it's kind of like the uh, the mecca for metalheads. So yeah, <laughs> that's really cool. And so you said you did um, you were you judged the finalists at Vakken or for the uh, Battle of the Bands here? Uh, yeah, here I don't usually judge. I usually just like okay. uh, organize. Uh, but there, they um, like all the organizers are kind of like the judges. So yeah, I always mm -hmm. I always judge when I'm there. Um, nice. which is really cool because you, you get to see uh, all the bands that the different countries have sent in. And uh, yeah, I mean, like they're all like the top from their own countries. So it's really cool. It's a great way to discover new bands and, and to watch like some really uh, crazy international bands, you know, from like crazy countries that you, you would never get to, you know, some countries you wouldn't even know they would have metal bands uh, in those places. Right. So, yeah. So how did you get into judging or like what, what's kind of required for that? Uh, I mean, it was kind of way back. I guess it was like almost 10 years ago now that uh, I linked up with the, um, the original organizer from, from the metal battle. And um, he kind of told me about it. And he was like, I was like really intrigued because I, I had never hmm. heard about it. And uh, he told me he wanted to like, eventually bring it to Canada. And I was like, Oh dude, I could totally help you with that. So yeah. I mean, long story short, uh, we kind of, we kicked it off in 2013 and, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a really cool thing. I mean, I, I have a lot of fun doing it, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, to get, get to go to Vakken and also get to bring 
a Canadian band there each year. So I think I think we've had a lot of success, uh, like bringing bands over. People seem to dig Canadian metal in general, Good. right? So uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's really cool. Who are some of the bands that you've helped bring over to Vakin? Uh, probably the most notable has been Crimson Shadows, uh, which they um, they're on Napalm Records now. Uh, so yeah. they got picked up, um, and I think uh, we had there was another band from Ontario here called Profaner, uh, but okay. they're they've since disbanded. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think those are probably the two most notable. Um, I mean, we haven't had any like mega successes. Uh, I think the biggest band to come out of the metal battle, like worldwide has been uh, battle beast actually. Okay. Was, uh, a, a metal battle winner band. So yeah, That's yeah. Really cool. Pretty, yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Awesome. And are you planning on doing another bike trip this year? Uh, yeah, I usually try and do like a combo when, when I'm over there, you know, even, uh, not only for Vakken trips, but when I'm touring in Europe, uh, if I have the downtime, like I, since I'm already over there, I kind of like to tie in, uh, bike trips at the end, uh, you know, mm -hmm. depending if I'm already in a cool country or, I mean, it's so, so cheap to fly around Europe once you're already there. So it's like, you can easily fly to like, you know, down south, like hit up Spain or Italy or whatever, right? And uh, um, I think this year uh, I'm bringing my girlfriend, so that makes it a bit trickier. Um, yeah. I don't know if she's down for uh, an intense bike trip, right? Because like when you're going through uh, mountains, the the weather can change really quick, right? So you you depending on the altitude, like each like kind of section of altitude has its own weather forecast so uh you know it could be beautiful down at the base of the mountain but as you go up you'll hit rain uh i've hit snow before also you know even in uh, the middle of summer so mm -hmm. uh, yeah i mean you're definitely dealing with the possibility of facing the elements so uh, i think i'm ready for that i don't know if she is so yeah like let, let's see it's not off the table but yeah i gotta think about it still does your girlfriend ride as well? Uh, no, she's uh, started uh, going for her license. I, I, I've given her some lessons last year. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know if she's going to pursue it. But uh, yeah, I mean, she's getting the hang of it. Cool. How long do you normally plan for these these bike trips to last? Uh, I mean, for me, like, usually just a few days. Like, I think the longest yeah. I've done is like five days. Um, I think is good for me. I mean, I can really enjoy like even just three, four days is like enough for me. Um, you mm -hmm. know, you, you can cover a lot of ground and, and just that small time, see a lot of cool places. Right. So, um, and like the rent rentals are, are pricey too. Right. So the longer you stay, like the more money you're dishing out. So yeah, I think for me, like five days tops is, is usually good. Do you normally stick with the same type of bike or do you kind of just try what they have? I, I like to switch it up, you know, because like um, especially when you're renting bikes, it's it's a great way to try different makes and models and, and get a feel for them. So, yeah, I'll usually try and switch it up, you know, uh, like uh, I've ridden like adventure style. I like the adventure style. You know, I've done like the sport bikes also. I don't love the sport bikes. But, like I'll. When I can, I'll try and get something like a cruiser or a more adventure style. But I mean, in Europe, it's the cruisers are a bit rarer. I guess they're getting more popular now. But like they're kind of like the more popular ride is like more adventure style, like uh, sport bike. But mm -hmm. but I mean, they're all great. Like uh, you know, a, a great bike's a great bike. You know, like I've ridden yeah. some awesome BMWs uh, out there that are you know like. BMWs are just kind of like normal out there, you know, because they're, they're made over there here. They're like luxury cars and like, and, and bikes. But I, I think there it's just like, man, whatever, like they're all, they're all around, you know, everybody drives these. <laughs> well, I think BMW and this is probably outdated information now, but I, I, I remember them having quite a good reputation for their bikes as well. Oh yeah. 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 They're, they're amazing. 
like uh, it's the handling everything like um and that's the cool thing when you when you do rentals as well like it, they're usually brand new bikes so yep. you know like touch screen like everything like way like way way beyond anything i ride out here right at home that's crazy <laughs> yeah touch yeah. screen on a bike that's like the first time I saw a bike with a radio, like a speaker on it. I was like, what the fuck is that? Oh, I yeah. no yeah. idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, so years ago, I did a, a road trip around Canada in the top part of the States. And I took my little Kia. And basically, um, I kind of made something so I was able to sleep in it. But I was able to store everything I prepared that way. Um, which leads me to my question. How do you prepare for like a bike trip? You said earlier that you have to... Um, you have to prepare for different weather and all that kind of stuff. You're obviously traveling to a different country. Like what all do you have to consider? And obviously you don't have the room to carry much. No, totally. I mean, you got to pack light, right? Um, you know, we'll, I usually have like some, some saddle bags or like hard bags. So, but, but I mean, the most important is just like your rain gear, right? And, um, I mean, gloves, uh, helmet, obviously. I mean, that's pretty much it, right? Like, I usually just go with a backpack. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, really, your rain gear is the most important. But, uh, I mean, even at that, like, I just end up getting soaked anyway. I mean, I don't have, like, uh, the best rain gear. So, it's like, after a while, it just soaks through. But, yeah, I usually just go with my leathers. And, uh, yeah, like, that's it, you know. I look a bit, like... Uh, shaggy on on the bike there you know i'm not like wearing like this uh amazing like one suit it's all like you know done up nice i'm, I'm like yeah i'm the guy with just like a leather jacket like yep. you know scruffed up looking gear but like whatever man like i'm there to ride so that's it mm -hmm. i saw a couple of your pictures there um from italy on instagram and they mm. like there's some gorgeous roads out there oh. do you have any favorite places that you like to ride uh i mean it's it i've ridden some really great roads i mean they're everywhere like i remember reading this list it was like top 10 uh motorcycle roads in in europe uh, just this random list and like just looking quickly through it i had done like six of them in like <laughs> in one trip you know because they were they're just all like neighboring countries or whatever and uh but yeah, I mean, uh, going going through the Alps is uh, is definitely a highlight out there. Um, there's this there's this one mountain in Italy actually. It's called uh, uh, what is it Stelvio, and uh, it okay. is just insane. Like it's very steep, and uh, just like the switchbacks are just really super tight. But like basically, people all around the world just come to like ride this mountain and uh yeah it was really cool like uh me and my buddy who joined me on that trip we were uh uh we were going down it and like the sun was setting and it was just like ah oh, yeah it was great it wasn't too busy so uh, that that was definitely a highlight uh there's another mountain in austria called gross glockner which uh is, is a beast and uh, we hit some snow uh that time that we, we did it so that was pretty wild but, uh, yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong. Like just, uh, riding, riding through the, the Alps is, uh, a pretty sure bet for, for great riding. And it probably wouldn't have the same effect if you took a car versus a bike. No, I mean, I'm sure it's a good time still in a car, right? Like, uh, I'd see a lot of cars, uh, out there. I mean, especially if you have a fast car, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I see a lot of Porsches and stuff and like, you know, uh, yeah, really, really, really nice, like fast cars. I mean, I'm sure that would be a blast as well. It's a, di it's a different experience, right? I mean, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Like the closest, uh, experience that I have to a bike would be, uh, like a scooter when I rented in Thailand, but, um, I can, it's the same kind of idea. You have the wind like blowing on your face yeah, like, kind of just yeah. out there on the road. You're not really, you're not cooped up in a vehicle and just sitting down. You're actually like moving with the road kind of. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it, there, there's this zen that comes with the uh, motorcycling so yeah i mean you you can experience it on on a scooter too it's just like being out there like feeling the wind or whatever so yeah being in a car is different i mean even in a convertible it's like okay yeah it's a bit better but yeah it's it, two different things mm -hmm. 
Jumping into music here, um, so you have a few different things lined up there this year, obviously, like Loud as Hell, but you'll also be playing in Germany at the Metalheads Open Air uh, for their 10th anniversary, and you've also got a European tour lined up with, uh, with Thunderer in June. Um, and then to top things off, you're, you're also supporting UDO on their tour in Mexico. So what are the dates for those? Uh, yeah, so uh, it, it's pretty wild because we're doing the, uh, the Europe tour, and... Mm-hmm. And then it actually works out perfectly. But uh, as soon as the tour is done, we have to fly direct to Mexico and uh, and do the uh, the dates with Udo. So um, uh, the Udo dates are, I believe, June seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth. Okay. Yeah, and the the Europe tour ends on the fifteenth. So we do have one day to travel. Um, and, and <laughs> make the it there in time. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty wild. I mean, whatever, we'll, we'll have just enough time to like fly, crash and then like rock out again. So, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm super stoked about those shows. I, I, uh, cause the Mexican audience is just nuts, uh, in general and, uh, they're going to be big venues. Um, I'm a big accept fan. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's going to be pretty crazy. Um, we do pretty well with in Mexico with Skullfist normally, so I'm hoping that there'll be some some Skullfist fans out there, you know, and uh, uh, make a lot of new fans and, and hopefully some Thunderer fans also already. So yeah, but yeah, it's gonna be a good time. I mean, Europe's gonna be a good time too. It's uh, just mm-hmm. really stoked to get out on the road, especially after taking a, a two year break, you know. So uh, um, yeah, super happy we have these really cool festivals like loud as hell you know and then metalheads also funny that they're both 10 year anniversaries uh, yeah <laughs> that seems to be the theme <laughs> well i mean if you're getting back on the stage why not do it big like you have some big um festivals and a couple tours lined up that's crazy totally man yeah yeah um, we're gonna hit the ground running did you've already played a couple shows this year already though yeah, we, we did our um, CD release um, last month uh, here in Toronto. So that was really cool. Uh, we got a nice uh, big venue for it. It's called the Opera House. Um, it's like probably my favorite venue in the city. So a thousand capacity. And uh, we got some really cool bands to play with us. We actually live streamed the show, like an actual live stream. So that added a cool element to it. But uh, yeah, I mean... I'd done a bar show before that, but it wasn't really like to me that one was like, okay, this is like the first show back. Cause it just felt bigger and, uh, there was no masks or anything like restrict. We got lucky with the had restrictions has just gotten lifted. So, um, yeah, it was just, uh, felt like it was back. And you've toured in a bunch of different countries too. So have, um, are there any countries that stick out as far as their crowds go? like with the energy or with um, just like how crazy they are? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned Mexico. Uh, South mm-hmm. America is is also like that, maybe even a step uh, further. You know, they're like they're just very hungry for, for metal there. And uh, they're very, uh, um, they love the classic metal still. You know, traditional uh, metal is, is still like very, very much a, a thing there. Like people go nuts for it. So, yeah, those stand out. I mean, Europe's also great, but I think uh, like here in North America, we're, we're kind of like spoiled because we get all these great bands coming through all the time. So I guess, I don't know, our senses get numb to it. We're not as easily uh, entertained or as easily thrilled, whereas like down there, it's it's kind of more special when like, bands come through so it's like they're just like they can't contain themselves right that makes sense actually um i've noticed that a lot uh like a lot of good talent um, whether it be coming through the city whether it be uh new bands debut albums stuff like that it's just crazy to see how much there is it's almost like there's not enough time to listen to it all and so i can definitely mm-hmm. see how in a place where it's not as prevalent that would be really really uh exciting when a band had come through Oh, totally. Like, I mean, especially in, in like major cities are, are the, those audiences are the hardest to impress, you know, because they mm-hmm. get bands, they get the best bands rolling through all the time. Right. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, their, their, their standards are very high. Right. 
good and bad thing for sure. Um, have you noticed anything uh, similar or different, I guess, if you've been touring with of Hatred Spawn? Like, have you noticed different crowds kind of engaging a little bit more? Or have you noticed a different reaction to that style of music? Uh, we, we actually haven't been able to do a tour uh, for of Hatred Spawn yet. Um, we've only really done like uh, local shows here. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, I would be really curious to to tour with it, uh, especially because I've never uh, toured with a, a death metal band before. So mm -hmm. I think that would be an awesome experience for me. Um, I think at this point, we probably need a new album before we go back out because the album is 2018 at this point. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think, I mean, that's already something I've been talking to my brother about because he uh, writes all the tunes pretty much. Um, he's like the creative, you know, backbone behind that band. So yeah, but I think if we could come out with a new record and then hit the road, that like I think that would be really cool. Um, I think we'd do well. Like I, the, I'm really proud of the the record that we put out, and um, yeah, I, I think people would dig it. Let's see if we can get out there. <laughs> hmm, that'd be good to see. Um... So I know we chatted a little bit before the show here and you said that you've been in music most of your life. So tell me a little bit about your musical history. Like uh, how did you get interested and what was your introduction to drums and singing? Yeah, I mean, uh, lucky for me, uh, my dad was uh, a drummer, um, you know, not like a pro drummer, but just loved drums. And uh, he was uh, very, well, both, you know, both my parents were very supportive and uh, about teaching uh, me and my brother, my sister, music. So from really early on, like from like seven years old, I, uh, my dad was like giving me drum lessons and uh, I was taking classical piano lessons uh, along with my sister and then my brother also. So yeah, we were just exposed to music really young. And uh, I think I definitely um, developed like very early, probably even like five or six years old, I already had this like thing I was like mesmerized by like drumming and just like uh you know like starstruck by seeing any like listening to metal music or like seeing music videos uh like ACDC was uh, a big one for me before that was in excess so yeah I think I think from like super early on I was uh already kind of obsessed with uh with uh hard rock and metal and uh had kind of already decided that, that that's what i wanted to do with my life so i mean it's pretty wild that like because you don't really understand anything when you're at that age but uh yeah i mean it, it's always been a thing for me that's always been uh, my drive and uh i think it's like at this point it's kind of like honoring like the dreams of like the boy you know, so it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's a weird thing. I mean, it's, uh, I think it's something that I need to see through to the end, you know, even though I've had some success, I think I still have like a really long way to go. Um, as for singing, I think that's, that's been a new thing for me. Uh, just recently over the past like two years now, I guess. Um, so I think that's been a way to like kind of uh, give myself a new challenge. So, you know, like still like continuing my quest as a drummer, but like just adding another element to it. Um, cause I think it's, uh, it's always important to be pushing yourself. And I think I was getting a bit stagnant there by like, um, just doing drumming and like seeing success from that. Um, but then like, I think it was time to like throw something else into the mix where it's like, okay, I, I really want to push myself. And I think it's a great way to, um, to push myself as a, as a musician as, and as a songwriter, which is something I had never done before, but uh, uh, something I wanted to do. So yeah, I think these, these last two years, you know, thankfully the, the pandemic has actually given me the downtime that uh, I, I needed for, to be able to do something like that. So um yeah, it's it's a journey for me um, till the end, but I, I love it. You know, it, it's my life, and I plan on yeah, just continuing with this. Right. <laughs> I think you froze. 
Um, basically, like your your attitude towards success is incredible, and the fact that you challenge yourself when you notice that you're stagnant, um, I think that level of success, whatever you're looking to reach, will come easily to you. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, I think uh, so. I, I read this book uh, in uh, 2019. It's called uh, the Four Hour Work Week. <laughs> it's a really cool book. It's it's by Tim Ferriss, which is. Uh, really like super successful dude and he's pretty cool um i don't agree with everything he says in the book but i think me and him have a lot of things in common just like reading through it where it was like he talked a lot about i mean the whole point of the book is to like get you out of your day job or like the daily grind and get you like following your dreams and all that so when i read the book i had already gone through all those steps of like that you know i i went through that in about i think it, well it was 2014 when i was finally able to like cut away from a, a day job and just support myself doing music and music related things um but it wasn't the first time i had tried i had tried before in 2010 and failed and then like had to you know go work again and then whatever. So, um, you know, I had already gone through those steps. I, I knew already a lot of the stuff he was talking about, but something he said in the book was that he said the, it was super important to always have an impossible goal in your life. And, uh, that like really hit home with me. Cause I was like, Oh yeah, that's like, and then I realized like I haven't had an impossible goal in my life for a little while now. Like I think I did in the beginning. Cause like when I, you know, first moved up to Toronto, 18 years old and just like, with dreams of like being a, a drummer, it's like, yeah, it does seem pretty impossible. Right. And I think I had that for a long time, but I think that was, that doesn't seem so impossible anymore because I've been doing it now. So I think it was time for me to throw something in and was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to be, um, I'm going to become a singer. I'm going to, I'm going to front my own band and I'm going to uh, become a vocalist. And I'm going to do that. And then at the time that seemed completely ridiculous to me. Right. So uh, but yeah, it's like a mindset thing. I think like uh, once you have that in your mind, it's just like it pushes you to like new places where uh, you wouldn't have gone, right? So like, you know, you don't accomplish anything uh, by accident, right? You have to like anything worthwhile. Uh, you have to have like the aim to like go and do those things. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think, that, yeah, that was a big, uh, big motivator for me. Okay. Damn it. Yeah, I know why. Hang on. I unplugged my headphones, but maybe I can go back to the headphones. Um, just before we continue, there's a little bit of a problem with your mic. It seems I'm not sure if I'm going to lose you. Uh, Sorry, we're like cutting this session so many times, dude. So the four-hour work week is uh, kind of one of the things that inspired you, or at least... Um, maybe brought brought that attitude more to the surface yeah that was a big thing for me like uh you know having the impossible goal kind of yeah that that was a um, big motivation for me to like take on the singing thing i mean a big part of it was because it all started really because uh zach uh from skullfist wanted me to do the uh, the backups in um in the skullfist songs and uh he's been like bugging me about that for years and I was I was always like yeah, yeah yeah like I'll do it you know and then I would put it off you know I would do it for a bit I would try I would get discouraged and then I would just stop because um, it was uh, the, the backups are pretty demanding it was really hard for me to uh, to get it right and having never really sang before I uh, had a lot of problems with like my uh, my pitch uh, being able to hear the pitches as a drummer, you don't really uh, deal with that a lot, right? So it all started with that, and like, but like, it, it was like making that conscious decision of like, okay, I am gonna do this. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn these freaking vocal parts, come hell or high water, right? So yeah, I think once I decided that, and then you know, kind of like my mentality was like, okay, well, what better way to um, to become a singer than to just actually like be a, a front man, like be the, the lead vocalist. Right. And, and then like, I need to, I need to do the backups while also drumming. So then that was also part of like my training it was like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do thunder. I'm going to drum and sing. So then I can really uh, master that whole thing. Right. So then when it comes to doing 
backup vocals and drumming, now it's it's a breeze, right? Because once you've already sang lead, then you know you can do it no problem. So seems to be working so far. <laughs> Definitely. Um, you said that you felt discouraged at times and that you would just stop. What brought on that feeling? Yeah, it's like, you know, you'd try, uh, I wouldn't be able to get it. Like, I wouldn't be able to hit the notes and then just get like, oh, man, like, I can't do it. Like, my, my voice is too low. I can't can't sing that high, right? And then just like, I think um, for some reason, I, I just thought it was going to come easier. I guess it's like anything that you try and learn and like anything that's a little bit difficult, you know, you have to put the time in to do it. And, and that was the problem. I wasn't putting the time in. I wasn't putting in the daily practice and like figuring out, you know, what am I doing wrong? Like what needs to happen for me to be able to do this? So I think once I started applying my same discipline that I apply towards drumming, once I applied that to singing, then I started to see like the results. It was like, okay, you got to do it a couple of hours every day, right? Go in, mm -hmm. like work at it. And like every time it's going to get a little bit better. Right. So, yeah, I mean, nothing comes easy, right? It's just, uh, you got to put the time in. Definitely. Um, you hit some pretty high notes now. And so like earlier you talked about not being able to hit certain notes and, and hear the pitches in your voice. Is that something you had to like train your ear for before you could hit those notes? Yeah, I think, uh, I, I started like using my piano, uh, knowledge to my advantage so I would I would every time I sing I would like or practice I would do it with the piano so then I would have like the perfect you know pitch because piano is perfect all the time right doesn't matter what note you hit it's never out of tune so then that's the perfect thing to sing to because then like you start to internalize like um, you know that perfect pitch and then um and being able to sing high was just a technique thing. Like I was singing from chest, but mm -hmm. I had to make the switch into like a head voice uh, to be able to hit those higher octaves. And uh, I realized that, uh, I mean, I guess it's like falsetto maybe or head voice. Like, I don't know what people call it. I don't, I don't know what it is for me. I just know it's like the thing that you, you have to like switch, right? Um, and I wasn't making that switch. And uh, yeah, it, it turns out like my chest voice is like, oh, it's pretty low and everything. But people started telling me that like, oh, your your falsetto is really strong. So I was like, oh, okay. Like, and then, you know, then that's where the range is for um, the Sculphus stuff, which I needed to be singing. So when I wrote the Thunderer stuff, I purposely wrote the vocal parts all in that range so that because that's the that's the range that i needed to train right so you know you, like, you don't have to be uh the best at like anything you know you just have to like you know try not to suck at it and uh and just you know just get her done you know so that was kind of like my goal i'm like you know what like i probably can't sing you freaking uh, amazing grace or whatever the hell you know but I can sing a Thunderer song, right? So yeah, um, that was the thing. I just, I, I kind of like tailored it to uh, what I wanted to do and also to like my strengths, you know? So it's like, I'll just avoid chest voice completely and uh, I'll just play, I'll just play my ace every time, right? Like, and it's cool. Like when I'm writing this stuff, then you have control of that, right? So it's like, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to keep the melody up here so instead of like, oh, if I need to go to a certain note, I'm not going to go down. I'm going to go to the high, uh, you know, note instead because like I have that control because I'm like me and Johnny are writing the songs together. So I wrote all the vocal melodies. So like I'm going to tailor it to what I want to do. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, being uh, tactful, I guess, with it. <laughs> Well, I mean, like highlighting your strengths in, in your vocals is is making sure that you remain strong through the album. And by avoiding those weaknesses, you don't have those downfalls in the music. Totally. And like, uh, you know, there, there's no point in like trying to sing like somebody else or, you know, trying to sing other people's songs. Like, OK, yeah, if that's what you want to do, then that's cool. But like for me, that's not what I was trying to do. I was, you know, uh, focusing on writing original music 
uh, focusing on, you know, training my vocals and like getting emotions across. And like, so, um, yeah, for me, it's it's like, yeah, this, this is going to be my thing. This is going to be my little domain of like, I sing in this range, you know, when you listen to Thunderer, um, or if you listen to me sing Skullfist parts, like backup vocals, like that's what it's going to be. You know, I'm going to make sure I stay in like my happy zone. And then hopefully that happy zone expands. <laughs> like, I think it already has. Right. But, uh, like I want, uh, you know, it, it's been slow progress, but I'm hoping that for the next record, my, my capabilities have kind of expanded more and then maybe I can, uh, blend in some like chest or something or like be more uh more dynamic with it so yeah let's see hmm that has me thinking a little bit um so is it safe to say then that your like vocal style in thunder is kind of like a byproduct of you just trying to attain the backup vocals for Skullfist? <laughs> yeah i mean in a way it kind of is yeah because uh you know like for example, like I love, I love Bruce Springsteen and, uh, you know, stuff like that, but there was no point in me like writing an album, uh, with vocals in that range. If, uh, cause then I'm going to, then I'm training myself in that range and then, so mm-hmm. it's like completely different. And it's like, well, what's going to happen when I go and try and sing like Skullfist backups? It's like, whoa, this is like way out of the park. Like I can't do that. Right. So I mean, yeah, I, I did tailor it in a way that like, yeah, okay, I want it to be, this is going to, it's kind of like, you know, getting two birds stoned at once. It was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to write music and, and make this cool band that I want to do anyway, but also training my, my vocals for, for the Skullfist stuff, which was the, the initial, um, reasoning behind it all you know like the thunderer just became a a byproduct of uh of that you know as i was singing and practicing like the idea started to develop in my head that like oh this would be cool to do a band like it's like i'm starting to sound like maybe i could be a singer right so yeah interesting well and it's also difficult and quite rare to have a front man who's also the drummer and plays live like there are a lot of one and two man projects but a lot of the people um a lot of the bands that I've come across, they, they haven't played live yet or they have live musicians for that kind of thing. Totally. Yeah. And that, that was also part of the appeal. I mean, I think nowadays you have to have like something that I like anything that can set you apart from other bands because it's so saturated, you know, anything that you can, can do, you know, and use to your advantage. So for me, like, yeah, I like the idea of like, you know what, I'm going to like drum and sing and it'll be something cool. Like it kind of sets us apart from other metal bands. And it also, uh, it also cuts me some slack as a vocalist because, you know, I'm not the greatest vocalist, but people will be less critical because they'll be like, oh, well, he's drumming also. Right. So uh, that also works to my, to my favor. <laughs> so does being humble. Eh? I'm sure that if you thought you were the greatest vocalist, uh, there'd be some. Oh, dude, I, I am so far from being like an accomplished <laughs> vocalist, you know, like, I mean, I hope one day, you know, like uh, it comes. But yeah, no, I know. I know where I'm at, you know, like I can do my little thing. But uh, yeah, I, I still have very, very far to go. Like I'm, I've only just started my journey as, as a singer. So. Well, and as a debut album, I mean, there's a lot of things that you're going to look back on that and say, this is what I want to change next time. This is how I can strengthen myself. Like you've, you've already talked, uh, we've already talked about it here that you're not afraid to challenge yourself when you feel stagnant or that you're not pushing yourself enough, right? Oh yeah, totally. Like even just hearing back the vocals um, on the record, I was like, uh, you know, also like apart from like my skill getting slowly better, it's also my hearing has gotten better so I can like some of the lines I like I hear on the record now I'm like oh man like I can't believe I put that take in there you know like I could have done that better I could have chose a better take right but I think when I was comping the vocals because I did all the comping myself um, mm-hmm. I think I couldn't my ear wasn't developed enough to be able to hear the nuances of like oh this take is better because of these little things right I was just kind of like oh this is in key but there's a lot more to it than being in key. That's just one 
one aspect, you know, is, is the pitch, but then there's like your tone and your, the way you're saying the words, the, the attitude of the take. So it's like, all that was just so new to me. I, I couldn't really grasp it all. And like, now I, you know, I, I feel like I have a better understanding of all that. I can listen to vocals and be like, oh yeah, this line is better because I like this. Like I know more what I want now. So I think because of that, like the, the next record will no doubt be better because I, I can, I'll be able to choose my, my takes better. So how did you learn? Like, how did you learn to pick out those pitches and tones um, in order to, to be critical of yourself and, and to kind of progress further? I, well, I think pitch was easy because it's so, it's kind of black and white, especially with playing with the piano. So I would just sing along with the piano. And then like, mm -hmm. as my ear got better, you would hear that it's out of key. Or then I would play it back with the piano and be like, oh, I can hear it, you know, I'd play it simultaneously with the piano. And then if it's off, it starts to become pretty obvious, right? So Okay, so it's a lot of exposure and time as well, like you said earlier. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just like being able to train my ear. The more you do it, the more I would be able to hear things that were off pitch. Like before, mm -hmm. in the beginning, I had to really focus on it, like play it really slow with the piano and be like, is that in key? And then I'd question myself. It's like, I don't even know anymore. You know, sometimes I wouldn't know. But like now I, I, I've gotten much better at that. Um, but as far as like tone and stuff like that, I think uh, that took more time because that it's not as black and white. It's more, mm -hmm. it becomes like preference kind of. It's like becomes like what you, what you like to hear. And then I think since... Uh, starting my journey as a singer, I've been paying more attention to vocals uh, when I listen to records. So I'm like listening more to singers, listening to like the nuances of like, you know, oh, like, damn, his voice is cool. Like he's got a bit of rasp on his voice. Like that's something I never thought of before. It's like I would, you know, it's not just like clean or uh, growls. There's like a whole spectrum there you know that like i didn't realize so uh yeah i think now that i know those things i'm paying more attention to that i think i can i can appreciate vocals more and i and then i can be more critical of my own you know and like and then like pick out the things that i like to hear you know so yeah <laughs> i know that i don't have anywhere near the music musical experience that you do but something that i recently came to terms with is uh just listening to a wide variety of different types of music um i started to think of like the vocals as as an instrument themselves mm. and then once i started to think about it like that i was able to appreciate like way more uh way more styles of music and even um like whether it be high or low notes whether it be growls or squeals whatever i'm starting to appreciate more because i realized that's their that's their version of the instrument. That's, That's a cool way to look it. at it. Yeah, I, I mean, I've never really thought of it like that, I guess. But yeah, you're, I mean, you're totally right, especially when it comes to like growling and stuff like that. You know, sometimes it doesn't even sound like a human voice anymore. It's just like, it's totally. just a sound, right? So, yeah. yeah. When you guys, um, what, well, when you were coming up with Thunderer, uh, what is it that you wanted to do differently than your other groups? I was really looking forward to just having uh, creative control over, you know, or at least more of it. I mean, although, I mean, me and Johnny wrote the songs together, but uh, we were very much on the same page. So mm -hmm. uh, I think that was really easy. It came super naturally for us uh, just because we've been jamming and playing together for a long time and we've written uh, together before. Like even for Johnny's uh, side project, uh, Star Crash, which we had done before Thunderer. So we already kind of had that uh, behind us, you know, so it came super easy. But yeah, just uh, having uh, the creative vision, like, you know, being able to uh, to write the lyrics, for example, being able to decide like, oh, OK, what's the art going to be like? Um and just like arrangements, I mean, just writing the songs in general and, and being like, no, I want it to be like this, you know, like, and, uh, and Johnny just being super, uh, 
you know, amazing supportive band member, you know, just being like, yeah, like understanding my vision. It's just been like, you know, I've always, uh, all the other bands I've been in has always been like, my role has been uh, that of a supportive uh, band member. So I'm always supporting the vision of whoever is the, the main creative guy. Right. And mm -hmm. I've done that. I love doing that still, you know, it's a different thing. I love doing it, but, uh, and, uh, I think I'm good at doing that, but I think to change, to switch the roles and then have, Oh, now it's my creative vision and I'm going to have other people being the supportive, uh, you know, musicians behind it. So it's like, it's a different dynamic for me because I had never been like that. So like playing the role of a band leader. Right. And, uh, and it just makes me understand the whole, uh, thing better so like that in in turn i can be a, a better supportive band member now because i understand the perspective of a band leader where it's like i didn't understand that before so yeah i think a lot of people don't get uh both sides of it so i think uh yeah that just gives me a, a better understanding of the whole deal right so uh, but yeah it's it's been great and just being able to decide uh what shows oh pardon me it's my cat meowing <laughs> i'm actually surprised mine hasn't bothered me yet today yeah yeah <laughs> it's bound to happen um but yeah i mean just like um and and just deciding what what shows we play and what tours we do you know it's like usually i'm kind of like more at the mercy of uh the band leader or uh you know the the consensus of the band so it's like it's kind of refreshing for me to be able to be like nope i want to do this like i don't care if we're going to lose money i'm we're we're fucking doing it right so yep yeah well and there's also something to be said about taking charge of your own project there's always a different feeling like it's always good to kind of work with other people but if it's mm. if it's like kind of your i don't want to say product that makes it sound bad but when it's like when it's your baby you're the one that wants Absolutely. to nurture it wants to see it through to whatever vision you have no no um, totally it's been like i've because of that, like, I think, yeah, it's, it's opened up like, um, potential that I didn't know I had because like, it's like, Oh, I, I find myself like, I'll be thinking about it at night, you know? So mm -hmm. like, and then other, other bands, I wouldn't really do that because, uh, and, and yeah, like you said, it's cause it's your baby. You're just, I've just, you've got more invested in it, like personally. Exactly. So it's just like, you, you just can't help, but um, so yeah, that, that was a new thing for me too, like to, to have that. So uh, it's cool to experience that, you know? Well, and with Thunderer, you guys already have like a pretty solid foundation because you've been playing with the other band members for a while. Um, did you know them before the other band? Uh, the band members in Thunderer? Yeah. Yeah. Well, me, I mean, me and Johnny, uh, were in Skullfish together for like seven years or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and then Oscar, uh, I did, uh, operas with oscar for like six years so and, and then also he he also played bass in of hatred spawn um so yeah it's like it was really really tight you know um and that's kind of what i wanted i wanted like just really like great musicians but also really close friends uh because that's really important when uh, when you go on the road uh so it just makes everything like more enjoyable and just really easy right it's just like knowing that you don't have to deal with like some bullshit right so it's gonna, you know like you're hitting the road you know it's gonna be a good time right it's with your best friends and like you're gonna play some some great music and you know everyone's gonna know their parts like no one's gonna mess around like i'm not dealing with like drunks or druggies and stuff like that right so yeah. yeah no doubt especially working with them for so long you've been able to build that trust over so many years totally yeah I was trying to think earlier. I can't think of many other groups that have a drummer as their front man. Um, I know that Triumph did for a while there. Um, who are some other bands that you can think of? Yeah, uh, Triumph. Uh, there's the Canadian band Exciter. Um, hmm, with, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, and like they're they're old, they're old as shit. But uh, like uh, they, they, he, he, Dan Beeler, the the singer and drummer, took like a long like hiatus kind of thing but he's back now so like they're playing again and uh yeah which is really cool uh so there's him i mean yeah i mean obviously like you know probably the most famous one is phil collins which has been a super big inspiration for me too right like 
uh, because he kind of I've read interviews and he like he considers himself like a, a drummer also first and foremost. So I thought that was really cool. And like, you know, to see someone go from being a drummer to like a front man and like this superstar songwriter. So it's like, eh, it's pretty cool. I, the, the guy from Mastodon actually um, like he doesn't sing lead all the time, mm-hmm. but uh, quite a few of their singles like, you know, in in the recent years anyway, has been his songs and like him singing lead so and he's amazing like i never would have thought you know like listening to mastodon that like you know they had a drummer back there with that voice that was just not singing you know and then all of a sudden he just comes out and does it like it's it's amazing and like some of their biggest songs he sings on so um that's that's super inspiring it's cool to see like um something that's considered more of a background instrument um become like the forefront of your performance yeah i yeah i mean for sure it's you know you know as a drummer you're always kind of in the back right so yeah. it's just that's just the way it is and like i i don't mind that you know but uh yeah being being able to sing lead while drumming it's like kind of puts you a bit more in the forefront but i like it still because i still get to like be in the back a little bit so yeah it's uh it's not as intimidating like i thought you know i thought it was going to be like oh man this is going to be insane i think i if i had to go out front i would be really out of my element i think that would like i'd probably freak out you know if i had to like stand there in front of the stage with like a guitar or something and just play but because i'm drumming and because i've been drumming for so long i'm at like i'm in my element so it's like okay I'm protected here. You know, this is my zone. And then like, Oh, I can just sing from this zone too. Perfect. You know? So yeah, I mean like at shows and stuff, I I haven't dealt so far anyway with any like nervousness or like anxiety or anything like that. It's just been like, yeah, straight, good, confident, like feeling really good. I think one of the downsides or maybe, maybe it's an upside to some people, but one of the downsides of being um, a drummer and a front man is you're kind of just stuck in that one spot. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And uh, I think that's a challenge we're going to have with Thunderer because especially being a three piece. So like there's not it it puts a lot of weight on the guys up front to be kind of entertaining because they're the ones that can move around and entertain uh, the crowd, especially on bigger stages. Right. So that's why I'm really curious how these festivals are going to go, you know, because it's like, okay, I mean, because there's only so much I can do behind the kit. Right. You know, like I'll. I'll sing my heart out and I'll play, uh, you know, the best I can, but like, I can't run around and slap high fives. Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, but yeah, let's see. Or walk into the crowd or something. No, no. Yeah, totally. Like I'm stuck behind there. So yeah, I mean, it's going to be up to those guys to kind of like, you know, they're going to have loads of room to run around. I guess that's a plus, you know, but, uh, but let's see. I think, I think, uh, I I'm totally happy with it. Like I, I think it, because it, it's going to at least be a different, thing then like you know for the audience you're gonna be like oh okay here's something different instead of like a front man in your face uh, every time right so at least we can stand out in that sense that's just it like when you have um i mean that i don't want to say the basic band where they have the front man as the vocalist or the vocalist guitarist but it's been done so many times it's something that you're used to seeing and like we touched on earlier something we take for granted so when something has changed when it's a a little bit mixed up it's exciting even if not much is happening no totally you know and if people walk away from seeing the thunderer set and they're like oh you know what that was cool and then like probably the first thing they'll say is like oh yeah the drummer sang you know so I mean, that's the most obvious thing you could take from it. And and I'm totally cool with that. Like, that's I, at least that's a thing that the, that will get people talking. And if that's what comes out of their experience, it's like, oh, yeah, the drummer sang. Like, good enough. That's like, you can't say that about other bands, right? Or not, not many of them. So that's good. Well, and what I'm really impressed about is, like, how, how high of notes you can hit while drumming. Like, I thought I don't have much knowledge on the topic but i thought like um the vocals would be more impacted by like your diaphragm and stuff yeah well i mean like like we talked about a bit before it's like i'm i'm really uh playing my ace right i'm i'm, I'm playing my my uh, strength uh of uh, of having like a, a strong uh falsetto and i mean i guess just kind of like a a strong voice in general but i i mean definitely like from what people have told me, like, uh, you know, I've taken some singing lessons and stuff 
never got past like one or two lessons but um from just from what other singers have told me they're like yeah yeah you're good like you're good at that so i'm just playing that you know like i think it everyone's different so i think um probably for some people hitting those notes is like super hard mm -hmm. but for me hitting like the lower notes or like those middle range notes is like super hard but that's probably super easy for other singers so it, it just uh yeah it, it depends on on the singer right i would have also thought there would be more difficulty because of how like physically demanding the drums can be yeah i think uh like i'm, I'm really trying not to compromise on the drumming um but i think naturally i probably do a little bit like i think i can play harder if i don't have to sing um obviously right because like it's uh it's taking it's a lot of air yeah when, when you're singing and if you're playing fast especially you start to get a little bit winded so yeah i mean i, ha I have to find the balance there where it's like okay you gotta make sure like it's always going to be on, on the edge right like that's you have to push it to the edge that's how it's most impactful for the listener and that's what people will like latch on to and enjoy so you have to push it to it's like holy shit like i'm like i'm almost winded here i'm like i can barely hit this note i can like barely play this part but like you have to push the energy to that point where it's like okay like you know so when people see it they're like oh this is cool <laughs> Well, I mean, it's time, and we've already talked about this today as well, but like as time goes on, you're just going to get better and better. It's just like working out. Like at first, mm. your workout's going to be extremely hard, but then, you know, a year down the road, that workout will now be your warm up. Yep. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, as far as personal musical tastes go, um, are you just drawn to like heavy? Well, obviously, you're not just drawn to heavy metal, but what, what other styles of music do you like? Uh, I mean, apart from heavy metal, uh, a lot of uh, prog rock actually <laughs> i've been getting back to it like i've always loved uh like 70s 80s prog rock so uh i mean uh yeah i love it because of the drumming but i i just uh i love like odd time signatures from that era and stuff like that like uh emerson lake and palmer and king crimson um i've been listening to a lot of yes <laughs> lately which is cool uh yeah, I just I just love that stuff. Um, so that's uh, a love of mine that I've been like revisiting. Uh, uh, but I also listen to a lot of hard rock, you know, to a lot of like AOR stuff. Uh, I try and keep up to date on like new stuff that's coming out. So like I'll listen to like the Frontiers uh, records like spotify playlist of like new releases to see like oh, okay what's coming out and uh not not just for the music but just to like to hear the production too right because that's like a a big a big thing and i think uh we have a long way to go there too with thunder because like a lot of a lot of the record was uh, we recorded ourselves right so for me the production value isn't really there and i think uh metal fans have a high expectation when it comes to to production right like they want everything to be really crisp and like so do i like i'm, I'm i have to look at my own expectations so uh um, but yeah so a lot of hard rock uh but yeah yeah that's pretty much it and and yeah a lot of metal like melodic metal i enjoy not too much extreme metal i mean i just went to uh the inferno festival in norway last week so that was just all black metal and like some death metal so that's uh, cool yeah yeah i mean i i enjoy it i appreciate it but it's not really something i listen to on my own time um yeah uh who are some of your favorite bands uh i really like uh stradivarius uh has been a really cool band i always like i liked since i was a teenager and i still really enjoy them now i like their new records uh i mean acdc has been like my childhood like kind of favorite i mean not not so much now because i think i've like listened to it too much <laughs> at this point but it always like it always have a place in my heart basically um big bruce springsteen fan um uh, lyrically too uh, i think lyrically uh, the boss was a big inspiration for me writing lyrics 
Um, yeah, um, I don't know, it's, it's kind of all over the map. I mean, Halloween, uh, Man of War, uh, a lot of Megadeth actually lately. I've just kind of been like revisiting those those albums. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, for people looking for your music, where's the best place for them to find it for you guys? Uh, I mean, I guess nowadays a lot of people are on Spotify. So, yeah, I mean, obviously on there. Um, but I mean, it's also on any of the streaming services. So wherever you listen to your music, you know, it should be on there. Uh, you know, you can listen to it for free on YouTube, uh, you know. So, uh, yeah. And uh, if you want a physical copy, uh, you know, we have like our web shop. And uh, you can also get in stores. We have a distro worldwide. So, yeah, like hopefully you can get it in shops and stuff too. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it should be easy to find. Awesome. JJ, I want to thank you once again for spending this time with me today, um, especially before all these tours. 100%, man. My pleasure. I w- always love talking to a fellow metalhead. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.